so tonight you get a treat. And if you're joining, am I live now? We'll be. So if you're joining us online, welcome to HBF tonight. We're glad that you're with us for our Wednesday night um, Bible study, uh, Wednesday night live as we call it. If uh, Leela's out there and, uh, and Dottie Bartlett, we're glad that you're with us. And I know there's always a few others. So uh, thank you for joining us. Tonight we have a treat. Uh, we have Joe and Amy Hendricksman in from Oaxaca, Mexico. And uh, you guys are just like home. I know they, they got a home church down the highway, Pastor Brad Nelson, but we love them here too. They got multiple homes, so they'll never be homeless. And uh, so, uh, although we all are kind of homeless till we get to heaven, so praise God for that. So we're all just a bunch of nomads, and uh, we're glad to, uh, we're wandering around like Abraham down here, uh, trying to wait around Dot City and Maker who's God. In the meantime, they're very productive for the kingdom of God. I got to correct my own doctrinal error. So uh, they're, they're they're very uh, they're they've been very productive in the kingdom of God. And uh, it's amazing. You guys have only been in Oaxaca now for what probably six years, which has flown by. But man, God has really blessed that and blossomed it is the word I was looking for. So uh, I wanted to give Joe as much time as he needs. He's going to come up. And give an update, and so give uh, give Joe and Amy some love as uh, Joe comes to give us a, an update. Good evening. There, that's a little better. Thank you. Man, it's good to be with you guys. As 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 Brian said, this this is like our second home. Um, I think we visited your church more than any other church that supports other than Grace. Uh, and that's just because you guys make us feel at home. And uh, so we're so thankful for that. Um, and thankful for, for God allowing us to be a part of HBF down in Oaxaca. And so we just wanted to stop by and, and, and just give you an update. We're in town because our church did a Bible conference last weekend. And we assembled 9,400 whole Bibles in three days. And so that's a blessing. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. So, and we, we we probably would have hit the goal of ten thousand, but we ran out of signatures. And so, I'm sure we'll give. I don't want to mention the publisher's name, but we'll give them a call and ask them where our where our other signatures are at. Um, but it's exciting because those Bibles will get uh, to Oaxaca in January, along with two pallets of Bibles that you all put together. I was at the wire the warehouse uh, yesterday. And there's two pallets of whole Bibles that are coming down to us that you guys here at HBF put together for us, and we thank you for that. Um, so let me just give you a quick update, and then I'll tell you the main reason why we wanted to come and say thank you. Um, quick update, God is doing some incredible things. Uh, we have uh, the main church in Santa Maria, and then we have two mission works, uh, and we praise the Lord all of them are doing well. Uh, the church in the, the 20th of November, uh, we've got that building under roof, we've got the floor on. Uh, and we're holding services there every Tuesday. And so there's no electricity, there's no windows, there's no doors, there's no bathroom yet. Uh, but the people are excited that there's a church there where, where they can get together uh, and learn about God. So that, that is going well. Uh, like I said, the main church in Santa Maria is going well, averaging 50, if everybody comes on the same day, 60, 70, but, but average in the upper 40s, low 50s. Um, and so that's been a blessing to see. Um, in October... Um, the what date would the trailer come in October? The I think maybe it's the 30th of September. Uh, a group from Grace came down and we received our 11th trailer load of scripture in six years. Um, when we first started the Bible distribution ministry, we started it by accident. You say, well, how do you start something like that by accident? Well, we got a call one day while we were uh, just recently got to the field. 
And the guy said, man, I, I want to send you guys some Bibles. Praise the Lord, we can use some Bibles. He said they should be there within the next couple weeks. And little did I know that a few Bibles was a 53-foot semi-trailer load full of Scripture. And so we quickly rented a, a, a storage facility for that, uh, unloaded the trailer. There's 11 of us, eight women and three men, uh, unloaded the trailer by hand, 2,221 boxes. I'll never forget that amount uh, because we had to touch every one of them. And so we got those into the building, and we shut the door, and we said, man, what are we going to do with all this material? I'll be here all my life just trying to pass out this material, and thank the Lord for that. The following Friday, we were... Uh, in town, and, and I had the church van uh, with us, and while we were in a store, a man came up to me and said, hey, are, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And I told him about our church and where it was at, and he said, well, I'm going to start a church. He said, but I don't have any uh, evangelism material, evangelistic material. He said, do you know where I can get some tracts and Bibles? I said, you know, as a matter of fact, I know exactly where you can get some. And so we invited him out uh, to to where we had the material stored and let him take as, as much as he wanted. Uh, as he left, he said, do you mind if I tell, and I can't remember the, the man's name, I have another friend, he said, can I, can I tell him about this? I said, sure, absolutely. And since that day, my phone has not stopped ringing with requests for scripture. In October, the 11th trailer arrived with, in total between the 11 trailer loads, over 22 million pieces of God's word. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are we kind of disappointed with that number? <laughs> 22 million pieces of Scripture, uh, and it's just incredible. Um, I, I've gotten calls since we've been here, just people looking for, they're hungry for the Word of God, uh, and so we're thankful for that. We've got three trailer loads scheduled to arrive before the end of January, uh, and another missionary will actually be starting another Bible distribution center uh, out from underneath us in the Mexican, in the city of uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, and so we'll get that trailer load up to them in January. And after these next three loads get delivered, it'll be about around 25 million pieces of Scripture that God's uh, been able to get into the country. And so that's just, all the glory goes to God. Um, like I said, we weren't even really thinking about starting a Bible distribution center. Uh, and so God always does a little more than, than we could ever ask or imagine, I think. And so we thank Him for that. And so it's a, a wonderful part of the ministry is the Bible distribution center. Along with that, uh, Amy was, is a nurse, and so we have a medical clinic uh, and a dental clinic. Uh, and just this year alone, through the medical and dental, we've seen over 1,000 people come to Christ. Uh, it, it's just been amazing uh, the doors that God is opening uh, because of uh, the, the medical clinic. Um, so we get people on our property all the time, and, and they all get the gospel, and uh, many have made professions of faith. We've, we've done medical clinics and brigades out in some of the surrounding areas, um, and, and it's just been a blessing to see. Uh, and and, and God does, God's plans are so much higher than our plans, and His ways are so, so much better than our ways. And so we've just learned to let God, just let Him do what He does best. Uh, and so we're just kind of hanging on for dear life uh, and just enjoying uh, the ride and enjoying being able to see God glorified, uh, not only from, from the Mexican people, but God's working all around the world. And so we're just happy to have our little small part there uh, in Oaxaca. And so pray that God will continue to open doors for the medical clinic. We have a dentist that's uh, working with us. He came for six months and just came because he wanted to learn English to be able to, to take an entrance test to further his education. And just before we left, he came to us and said, man, I think God's calling me to be a missionary dentist. 
He said, I would like to uh, base out of here, help you guys, and I've got to open doors to go to other areas. Um, he said, I think that's what God is calling me to do. So uh, at first, he just wanted his own practice. When he first came down, he wanted to uh, get another degree in a, in a specialty area. Uh, but he's seen that God can use his talents uh, to see people saved. And so whatever your talent is, God can use your talent uh, to bring honor and glory to his name. So pray for Dr. Eber is his name, uh, that God will continue to lead and guide him. Uh, and then we'll have a full-time dentist uh, that we can use uh, all the time now to see see patients. And matter of fact, he's treating a patient tonight after church uh, down there. So I just pray that God will continue to, to use him and guide him. Uh, the Christian school is doing well. We have 20 students this year in our Christian school. And, and honestly, the Christian school has brought more people to our church than any other ministry. Um, we started the school as a means of uh, not only giving our church kids a good education, but also discipling them. So, man, if I can get these kids for six hours a day, uh, we can, again, not only give them an education, but disciple them as well. And then word is spread, and we got some other families from the community that wanted to enroll their kids. Uh, and so we let uh, outside kids come with one condition. They have to attend our church twice a month. Uh, and so because of that, we've got three families that are very faithful, solid families in the church now. Uh, they've been saved and uh, are being discipled, uh, but have, have become part of our church family because of the Christian school. So uh, continue to pray for that, uh, that we can just continue to uh, see those kids grow and, and, and learn more about Jesus Christ to be able to imitate him uh, as we're called to do. So the church in Santa Maria, the main church, the very first church we started, celebrated its fifth anniversary uh, back in July. We don't know why, but the two mission churches we have both have their own pieces of property. We could never understand why God would give those two mission churches uh, property before he gave uh, the main church property. Uh, God can do what he wants to do. It's just to me it didn't make sense, but I don't have to understand it. I just, I just go with it. Well, back in February, a, a friend of mine uh, was down and we were driving around looking for property. And we found a piece of property and we called on it and it was a little expensive. It was 231,000 pesos, which is $11,000 or so just for one lot. And so we thought, well, we don't have that kind of money right now. And so we just kept on looking. And that was in February. Back in May, the guy called back and said, hey, if you're still interested in that property, he said, I'll finance that property for you. Uh, at no interest, he said, I'll finance it for you for two years. And so I quickly did the math and said, man, I think, you know, with the offerings and if we kick in a little bit, I said, we can buy two lots, uh, and that way we have enough room for the church and the school and everything we need. Uh, and if he'll finance it for us, man, praise the Lord. And so in, in May, we got all that set up and got all that uh, arranged, and we were to pay $750 a month for two years, which was very doable. But I made a condition with the church because I believe they need to be invested in the property. And I said, church, one month you guys make the payment, one month Amy and I will make the payment. And we'll just rotate that back and forth until the property's paid off. And so the church was in agreement with that and excited about that. And so in July, we started making blocks. And so I don't think anybody here has been down to make blocks. Mitch, did you guys make blocks when you came a couple years ago? Okay, and so they may get to experience making blocks uh, in a couple weeks. But we, we got about 600 blocks made, and we thought, well, let's go ahead and pull the permits to be able to start construction. 
And so there, we needed a piece of paper from the landlord stating that the property tax was paid off, uh, was paid each year. And he's like, well, why do you need that piece of paper? And I was like, well, we're going to start construction. He said, no, you can't start construction until the property's paid off. We're like, well, that's not the deal. We, when we talked about this, we told you we're a church and we want to want to pay for the property. We want to build so we can have a place place to meet. He's like, no, I'm sorry. And so we kind of talked to a, a, a lawyer, and you know, so we just we right now just to keep us out of trouble, we obeyed and did what the guy said. Uh, so we just been praying, God, we don't know what's going on. We know this is a piece of property uh, you wanted us to have. And so we owed about $14,000 on the property. And so back on, I don't know, September 28th or 29th, I can't remember. Uh, I'm sorry, October 28th or 29th, I can't remember what the date was. I opened my report that I get each month from our home church showing the donors for the month. And as I scroll down, I see this amount on there, $14,867. So I scrolled, man, who gave that? And I scrolled over and it said Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Uh, Harrisonville, Missouri. And so we don't know who it was. All we know is $14,000 came from this church to pay off the church property. And so we want to say thank you for that. It's it's a huge blessing. Matter of fact, being the spiritual guy that I am, as soon as I saw that figure, I emailed our church treasurer and said, Terry, you made a mistake because that's a big amount. I said, can you verify that check? And he'll testify that that's the email that I sent to him. Uh, and so the next, he made me wait till the next morning before he responded. He said, no, sir. He said, that's the amount that came uh, from Heartland Baptist Fellowship. So church, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. Uh, again, we don't know who it was. It's Heartland Baptist Church. It's not one person. Uh, and so now when we get back, we'll be able to pull the permits. And hopefully Sunday, January 8th, we'll have a groundbreaking service. Uh, and we'll begin construction on the Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, Huatulico. Uh, and so again, we just wanted to come by. We wanted to say thank you and say that we love you and, and love serving the Lord together with you. And so we also, uh, we every time we travel, we bring coffee. And so if you want some coffee, talk to Amy. But this bag we'll leave here in the office for uh, the staff guys and whoever's in the office throughout the week so they can have some good, fresh Oaxacan coffee. Uh, and so again, we just want to stop by and say hello, say thank you, uh, and that we love you and uh, we love partnering with you to see folks saved uh, all around the world. So God bless you guys. Well, that is so exciting. Man, HBF, that is so cool. So that is a blessing. Now, you, so when we say, I don't know who gives, it's true. I don't know who gave that either. So God God gave through our church. Uh, I did know that that came through. And I was excited for what God has done. So, man, praise the Lord. In a time when um, it seems like, uh, you know, people are a little bit on edge about finances and the economy, uh, Man, God delivers right on time. That is such an encouraging testimony. If that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. I mean, um, that is so exciting. And God's doing a great work in Oaxaca. We're excited about about the ability to partner with you, uh, Joe. And it's just, for us, it's a great blessing. Um, he is a good investment. If you're looking for a missionary to support, uh, Joe and Amy are a good couple to give over and above. Uh, and I appreciate that. There's a. It reminded me of a time many years ago... Um, when we were in India uh, doing the Bible Institute there, uh, one of uh, someone gave a generous donation to plant a church in Candemal. I don't know if you guys remember that story, but the, I was able to visit and see that church and 
Uh, it was in the it was in the city, uh, Canamal region, and in the city where the persecution started in 2008, uh, and uh, it all, that was the epicenter. And so you never know. And when those when the folks gave, I don't think they realized that's exactly where that church building was going to be. But they literally financed the building of a church in a in a, what was a satanic stronghold. And now there's a vibrant uh, local New Testament church there, and uh, it's just exciting. Uh, you know, God's using uh, the church in Santa Maria to really, it's a regional church. So it's its a church that's reaching out across the country, as you just heard, all the way up into Guadalajara. And it goes over to Chiapas, am I right? And uh, yeah, Guatemala, yeah. So Sharon's hometown, home country down there. So uh, praise the Lord. That's just exciting. Man, I could, we could go on and on about that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and... Um, um, get back into our study on body life. And so I've had to define some of those terms. By the way, anybody need a handout for body life? Because if you don't, uh, I'm going to deputize you if you don't mind. And uh, John, if you could just kind of get those to where they need to go. Um, <clears throat> as John is, is uh, dis- delivering those, we uh, I'll just do a little bit of review. If you've already got, got your uh, handout in, in tow, we're covering um, a study on on uh, six different things regarding body life. And right now we're talking about provision and protection. And uh, we're dealing with defining what the local church is. Uh, last week I, I covered quite a bit of territory, but I still didn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have the ability to get done with everything. So uh, under this lesson we're talking about what a church is. Um, um, I think I... Yeah, what is the church? And last week we we saw that the church is our lifeline and our covering. I took some time to really talk about what that meant. If you didn't get that, you can go back and watch last Wednesday night night session. Then we talked about the word church and what it means. And uh, it means called out assembly. You probably heard that before. It comes from the word ecclesia. The word church was found 77 times in the New Testament. Um, and the word churches, plural, is 36 times in the New Testament. And the word assembly is only mentioned three times, and they're all in Acts chapter 19, verses 32, 39, and 41. So that's quite an easy word search there. And then we saw that, um, you know, who's in charge of the church, right? And, of course, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We saw that in Ephesians 1.22. Uh, and, of course, we talked about how we are the body of Christ, and we'll be talking about that, of course. When we talk about body life, that's what we are talking about is how we are the body of Christ. And we looked at the analogy of how the church is likened to a building, right? It's like a structure. It's structured. It's fitly framed together. We're fitly joined together, it says in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 talks about us being built uh, on a foundation and being fitly framed and build it as a habitation of God through the Spirit. So it's a supernatural building. And then we saw that its founder and builder, of course, is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the founder and the builder. And so uh, that led us to the, the third major point that we, we've covered on this subject. Um, am I going too fast for those of you guys that are catching up? Okay, moving right along. Um, and that is, um, and so we all have an important role in the building of the body of Christ, uh, it's to edify uh, and and what have you. But the purpose of the church, um, what is that all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, that's really what we're talking about right now. The, for what we covered last week, uh, the initial thing that we covered is the purpose of the church is to disciple all nations. 
I'm uh, getting ready to preach a missions conference next this week, coming up weekend and uh, next week. And and uh, this is what I've been thinking about. And that word "all" is big, <laughs> all nations. So when you go to Matthew chapter 28, and uh, you know when you look at that. Uh, that passage tells us that Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, I know most of you know that passage, but that's a lot, right? And so when we look at the word teach in Matthew 28:19, we're dealing with uh, the word disciple, and, uh, and we spent some time talking about that. That's obviously a, a big part of what we do and who we are here at HBF. And that leads us to where we left off, which is point B. So in addition to that, how do we get that done? Well, one of the primary things that we are to do is preach the gospel. Now I want you to turn over to uh, the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter 16. Uh, I don't think we delved into this at any depth, and if we did, we're going to delve into it again. But the book of Mark chapter 16 and verse 15... Does anybody want to read tonight? And who can I recruit? So I may make you read. Thomas, you want to read? Jamie, you want to read? All right. Let's get, uh, I'll start back here with Chris. And then Chris, we might want to pass it to Thomas, make sure he's paying attention. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Hot mic. You said Mark chapter 15, verse 16? Yes, sir. Okay. 1615, and, I'm sorry. Oh, 1650. Yeah. Okay. And Jesus said, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Thank you, brother. So, again, the world, we see this word all, right? Go ye there. Uh, he said unto them, Go ye into, you know, the convenient parts of the world, uh, the developed parts of the world. The parts of the world that speak English, right? No, it doesn't say, it says all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So preaching the gospel is a big part of that. Now, what is the gospel? Where would we define that? This isn't in the notes, but you guys would, where would we find the gospel as defined in the New Testament? Yeah, 15, 1 through 4, right. 1 Corinthians 15, that is uh, the resurrection chapter. The first few verses are there very clearly, and you can find it in several places, but that's a very simple and easy way to understand the gospel. I mean, the gospel is, right? Jesus died on the cross (coughs) uh, according to the Scripture, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scripture, right? He's alive right now, and he's going to return if you go through all the way through chapter 15. And so the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and his soon return. And so, um, and so that is the gospel. Now, you can't do all the other things that we talked about in the previous point, right? You can't build the church, and you can't, and you can't have everything fitly joined together if you aren't actually winning people to Christ. So good discipleship should be good evangelism. Good evangelism should be good discipleship if the body is healthy. And so it's not just this or that, it is all. And so look at Romans chapter 1, and, and see what, let's see what Paul says about the gospel. Uh, Chris, you wanna, Chris, can you walk the mic to Jamie or Chris, whoever wants it? And uh, let's look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16.
Okay, Romans 1. 16 and 17. 16 and 17. Yeah. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. So this passage, there's a lot here, of course, but Paul, he's saying, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And we know what we saw, or I just referenced 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. We know what the gospel is. Paul says, gospel is. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation. And notice who it's uh, the power of God unto salvation to. Uh, it's, it's to a few people that believe it, right? No, it says to every, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. What's it mean when it says the Jew first? Is God preferring the Jews? Man, crickets. Yeah, went to them first. He actually did prioritize the Jews. Why did, why did he prioritize the Jews? Historically, for century. There's historical, doctrinal, and uh, inspirational. All right, so historically, he went to the Jews first. He came to his own, his own received him not. But after the resurrection, who did he start off with? The, he started in Jerusalem and said, hey, um, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And he gives, them a, he gives them a strategy, even. Like, he doesn't just give them a general command, go everywhere. He says, oh, okay, now, when you get the Spirit on Pentecost, and, and, uh, which is coming around the corner in a, in a day or two, um, I need you to go to Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And I need you to do this after you get what? Don't do it before. The Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Now, what does Paul say in Romans 1? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You know what he says in Acts 1.8? Right? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, so what is it, the gospel or the Holy Ghost? Yes. The only way to get the Holy Ghost into somebody that is lost, who doesn't have the Holy Ghost now, is what? The gospel. They, they believe upon the gospel. So historically, the church was in formation even before... It's just like a child's in formation before they're born. The church was in formation. So in Matthew chapter 16, he says, Hey, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the church wasn't in existence and it certainly wasn't empowered until Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God empowered the church. Right After the resurrection, Jesus ascends 40, uh, uh, before Pentecost... He spends 40 days with his disciples. He ascends into heaven. And then on the 50th day, so 10 days later, then the Holy Ghost comes and indwells the church um, and empowers the church so that they can go and preach the gospel initially in Jerusalem. And right off the bat, right, the sign uh, gift of tongues reversing the curse of Nimrod in Genesis 11. Boom, if you're a Jew, if you're a Jew you see this and go, whoa. Right, this is prophesied in Joel. The day of the Lord is coming, uh, and the Messiah is coming. This man Jesus must be who you know who they said he was, because this is no one can do that but God. Right, so they get a chance once again to receive the gospel. 
So if they would have received it hypothetically, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, the Jews would have stewarded the gospel getting to the Gentiles. Because even back in the Old Testament, right, that was the mission. Um, the God, we're going through Exodus and on Sunday morning. So Moses stewarded the law. Why? So that the Gentile world could see God's glory through Jew, the Israel. But of course, when Jesus came to his own, they, re, they rejected him and they received him not. And, and they just literally rejected him in the same strategic places that Jesus commanded them to preach. Jerusalem, rejection. You can go through Acts and see it. The leadership rejected Jesus in Jerusalem, right? Paul himself, being part of the Sanhedrin, right, was one of the people who uh, slew Stephen, the deacon. And that was like, "Eh, we're done in Jerusalem. And then the next thing you know, that same Paul in Acts chapter 9 gets saved. He's a Jew, by the way. All these guys were Jewish at the start. Uh, And then the next thing you know, there's a um, there is a, uh, a ministry over in Syria, right? In Antioch, Assyria. It's moved away from the central point of Jerusalem. Now it's gone out Judea, Samaria, even out into Antioch. Next thing you know, there's churches all over in the uttermost part. Paul's talking about in, in, uh, wanting to go up to Spain. And, uh, and many believe that Paul or his disciples certainly made it to Great Britain even in the first century. Um, and so, um, and so the, the gospel went out, and it was also by many of the Jews, not all, many of the Jews, of course, uh, Jesus, or even Paul, he's like, I'm shaking the dust off my feet, right? I'm done with the Jews. I'm going to go to the Gentiles, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. Now, there's also strategy there. God is very, he's supernatural, right? He can do anything. He can make Balaam's ass speak. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. But he chose... He chose to use the Jews because, well, they had the body of knowledge. They had the most important building block that you have for the church, which is the words of God. Right? They had the word of God. And so you can imagine if you are going to plant a church, it's so much easier to walk in and, and talk about to people who already know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than to have to go and talk to people about the creator God and start from there and work into all this history, which is exactly what we still have to do in many Gentile places around the world. Right? So if we're in, the, in India uh, or in the mountains of uh, Nepal or in Bhutan, we don't roll up and say, well, let me tell you about God in some construct that they understand we're talking about the God of Moses and the God of Noah and the God of David and, the God, and Jesus is God and all that. They don't even have a clue. Who you're, they don't even know who Jesus is. They don't even know what you're talking about. So you've got to start with creation and you work it to Christ. That's the only way to do it when, in a lot of Gentile places in the world even today. Right, so it was an advantage to, to start with the Jew first, and also the Greek. Right, but of course, as we get to the end of Paul, we're not even to the end of the first century. We're only through the first uh, fifty some sixty years of the first century, and it's already already fully operational. The church is already fully operational among the Gentiles. Right, and so just to just to make sure that we wouldn't get confused, in seventy A.D., Jesus' own prophecy about. Um, Jerusalem being destroyed, which also correlates with uh, Daniel's prophecy. Uh, General Titus rolls in 70 A.D. and wipes out Jerusalem. I mean, completely. You couldn't worship in Jerusalem and and think Messiah was coming back there if you wanted to, because it was gone. There was no temple. There was no way to fulfill Daniel's 70th week uh, since since 70 A.D. 
But there will be soon because the Antichrist is coming. They'll rebuild the temple and they'll get that party started. But, but my point is, so for the last couple thousand years, the church has been us. The called out ecclesia, right? Anybody, everybody. The gospel goes to everyone. And we're so blessed in this nation because we actually do have what's called a Judeo-Christian ethic. So even lost people, at least used to, have some sort of semblance or sense of who God is. Uh, and they have a little bit of running start into the gospel. The gospel is the power of God into salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek. And that's the thing we're to be preaching is the gospel, the good news. We need to be, the church, that's, it doesn't matter if you write it on the wall. I mean, it's, it's God, God's word will not return void. Write it on the billboard. But ultimately, it's the church that's stewarded, is given the responsibility and the power, the spirit of the living God to preach the gospel. Right? It's not about technology. And, and there is a little bit of strategy. Even Jesus, God uses some strategy. But it's not about even that. It's about the power of God's word working through God's people to communicate the gospel. So turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, and verse 4. Somebody want to read that? 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Tom going to do it? Go, Tom, go. Be the man. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which treat our hearts. Amen. Thanks, Tom. So, uh, so we can't make disciples if we don't preach the gospel in and when we, you know what, this tells us in First Thessalonians, Paul's telling this church that they've been allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. It's a trust, right? It's, it's a stewardship. As we've been allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, right? Understanding that this has been given to us of God. So every, every and I know he's the apostle Paul, but he's talking to the church at Thessalonica too. And the church at Thessalonica did preach the gospel. So much so that the whole world knew. So they need not speak anything. I mean, those dudes were getting it done. And so, and they, it wasn't because they had money, and it wasn't because they had an easy go. Actually, they were under persecution, and they were poor. And they weren't like the Bereans, right, which studied the Bible daily to see if these things were so, which were great people too. Uh, they were getting, Jason was getting pulled out of his house. People were, they were under heavy persecution. And as, as we know, persecution is always the miracle grow of the church. And so under those circumstances, the power of God was manifest. And, they, and Paul said, As we are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. So our, our hearts should be on trial in the church. Like we should be convicted over, our, um, over getting the gospel out in every way. Um, I mean, rather we're talking about missions and missionary and the big picture, but also personal evangelism. We talk about being intentional about our gospel outreach. Man, that shouldn't have to be programmed, really. That should be a function of the Holy Spirit of God convicting us as we're under the Word of God, understanding that of all things, that's what we're here to do, is preach the gospel. You don't have to go through discipleship one. You don't have to go through D2. You don't have to go through HBI. You don't have to hardly know anything other than how you got saved. And you can go tell somebody, you know. And I know when I first got saved, I didn't know. I just told them what happened, had an outline of verses, and I fumbled and bumbled through it, and the Holy Ghost still used it, right? 
of course, the church is here to help with that, and we should grow in that grace. But the, at the end of the day, uh, we don't want to lose that zeal for the gospel. That's really the church is here to make disciples, yes, but also to preach the gospel. So good discipleship is good evangelism. And uh, let me see here. I forgot what I... Okay, so uh, I'm backing up. Back up, Brian. So I'm going to work through these verses. So good discipleship is good evangelism. Obviously, we, can, we cannot make disciples unless we see sinners become saints through the new birth. So the church should, be, uh, should aid in equipping the saints, right? Those are saved people, to accomplish the mission of preaching the gospel and making disciples. So Chris, you want to read, brother? You don't have to. This is a volunteer organization. So Ephesians 4, if you're, if you're up for reading, let's look at Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. So he has given the church officers and people, gifts, people in the body, to help the church preach the gospel, right? Um, and among other things, and also make disciples. But we are here uh, until he comes, right? Uh, until we come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the major, the stature, and the fullness of Christ. What are we doing? Well, we're perfecting the saints, right? We're completing the work that God has left. Um, and we're, we're, we're completing the work, we're perfecting them to do the ministry, right? It's the service uh, of God and the building of the body of Christ. And that includes taking the gospel where it needs to go on time. And so he's given the church to help aid in that. Also in Acts 2 and verse 42, um, you can see that the, in the church, uh, let's go back to Acts 2 and verse 42. And as we're doing that, Someone want to read Acts 2.42? Continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Thank you, Lauren. So in addition to having this awesome mega message in Jerusalem, right, in Acts chapter 2, we see that there's fellowship going on in the church. Um and they continued steadfastly uh, in the apostles' doctrine. What does it mean to continue steadfastly? And what does doctrine mean? Right? So I think many of you know what doctrine means. What is doctrine? What's his definition for doctrine? Teaching, right? So they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. So what does it mean to be steadfast? Yeah. Consistent, nonstop. Yeah, just you know, tenacious, right? They were they were not going to be moved from fellowship with one another, and and also most importantly, um, they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They wanted to know what was being taught, and the fellowship, and the breaking of bread. So it wasn't just the doctrine; it's doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now, we often slide in there, you know, Lord's Supper, because that's kind of a neat place to slide in there. But I don't think that's talking about the Lord's Supper. Uh, they did observe the Lord's Supper, obviously, because Jesus commanded them to and all of that. But, but, but they also, I think, they hung out and broke bread together, you know. Uh, it's like they, that's where Baptists, that's what we do. We come together and we break bread. So it was a, it was a meal, right? There was bread 
and they were being hospitable one toward another. There was brotherly love. It was a Philadelphian environment. And, uh, and so uh, the main thing, though, I want to see there is that they continued, right? It wasn't just a one-and-done deal. This was a continual thing. And, and we notice how the followers of Christ were intentional to internalize the teaching of God's Word. So it wasn't like te- you know, gathering teachers, having itching ears, I want to learn some new thing. They're like going back over it and, and, and internalizing what was being said. They were making what was being said theirs. They own it. And uh, they know where it's at. They know what, what was being said. They did this in formal settings, and they did it in informal settings. And I tell you, what will make a church catch fire uh, like nothing you've ever seen is, is not just when we come together on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night uh, or whatever night, and we do a Bible study or this and that. That's good stuff. But what's really, when, when you know a church is cooking with gas, is when you drop by for some, some barbecue or a, a play date or a whatever, and the Bibles are being busted and the Bibles being discussed and the doctrine is, is, is flowing through those conversations and it's the priority of the life of the people that are in that local church. You guys know what I'm talking about? So you see it, like when we have discipleship one, it's sort of like that, right? You, but we're, that's still structured. But you know it's cooking with, like, well, like Sunday, we go out to lunch with a couple, and we're busting Bible. Not because we have to, because we want to, right? Because that's what's on our mind. we got questions, and we got thoughts, and we got things that we want to talk about. We're not distracted. Uh, there's not enough going on to distract us from that, because that's fun. That's good stuff. Guys, I'm telling you, that's what was going on in Acts chapter 2. How many of you experienced church like that? Let me, okay, some of us. Yeah, I don't think we got it going on here all the time. So I'm, I'm not expecting everybody to say, oh, yeah, that's Heartland, because I don't think it is Heartland all the time. I think it is at Heartland, but uh, I'm not saying that we're, we're there. We need to grow in that, Grace. I can't make it happen. That's not something you program. Right? That's not like, you know, I anoint everybody. You either love God's Word or you don't. You know, you either talk about it or you don't. It's either you'll talk about the things you love. And when people are doing that, you know that they're in love with the Word of God. And man, I tell you what, that is, that is sweet. It is, it is what was going on in Acts chapter 2. It wasn't, just a, uh, it wasn't just, although there was obviously teaching, the apostles' doctrine, there was times to come and learn and all of that, and that's super important. But if you're studying the Word of God, if you're reading the Word of God, if you're meditating upon the Word of God, and giving yourself wholly to it, you know you're going to be talking about the Word of God. And you'll be talking about things, like with Amy, I'll be talking about things that I ain't talking to you all about most of the time. I'm like, I'm thinking about this, or I'm thinking about that, and it's probably not something I want to teach on. And so we'll visit about that, and this, and the other thing, you know. But it's good to do that. I just, I'm just saying, there's something about that fellowship, and it's implied they did this together as they needed the fellowship, comfort, and accountability. There was comfort there. So 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says... Uh, go back there for chapter 5. <clears throat> One of the things that happens in the church is we find uh, comfort, right? First Thessalonians 5. I'm going to give myself a second to get there. All right. If I got there, you got there. Everybody there? Say amen. Amen. Or oh no. All right. So First uh, Thessalonians 5.11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and... Edify, right? Build one another, even as also you do. You know what that means? Do that continually. Don't stop it. You're already doing it, so keep doing it. Right? He, he, he states something they're already doing, not because they aren't doing it, because it's like, continue to do that. Don't let anything interrupt that. In Acts chapter 2, 
42, it says they continued steadfastly. So even though it isn't necessarily formal, um, uh, there is formality and then there's some informality, but hang, hang tight to one another, to the doctrine that's being taught, and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And uh, you'll notice too, I mean, when you're, when you're walking in the flesh, do you feel like fellowshipping with your brothers? I don't. I'd rather run. So, so you know, that's another way to keep you, keep you accountable, right? Is to continue in the Word of God and with your brothers. It'll keep you right with God. Ephesians 4.16, uh, the Bible tells us... Let me go back there. Somebody got that already? Ephesians 4, you know where I'm going. Someone want to read that? Just a few verses past where uh, Chris was earlier. Oh. Sorry, hold up. We don't have the mic. Hey, Tom, you're the runner. Run it all the way over to Sharon. This is one time I give you permission to move quickly. Old body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Notice the last word there. What's the last word in the verse, in verse 16? Love, right? Charity never fails. So the body builds itself in love. So there, that even gives us some uh, understanding. This is a spirit-led fellowship, right? Love, love is the primary um, attribute you see listed first in, in Galatians chapter 5 in the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, right? So love is uh, it builds the body. We, we, we're joined together, and every part um, has a piece in that. Every joint supplieth, uh, and, it, it's, and it brings... Uh, it ed- it builds the body. All right, so preach- that came from preaching the gospel. I kind of went off on a tangent, but I-, I didn't go. That was intentional because you need that to be encouraged in the gospel. One of the ways that we used to preach the gospel when I was a young Christian in my early late teens and early 20s, um, and Amy, I'm a preacher, but I'm not spinning a yarn. You can check with Amy. She will not. She will not misguide you. We used to just have what I call a shindig, right? So we would have shindigs. And when we had an apartment, sometimes it would be in our apartment, sometimes it would be in our clubhouse, sometimes it would be at our friend's clubhouse or whatever. Uh, nobody at the church said, hey, Brian, you need to have a shindig and win people to Christ. I didn't even, nobody even told us to do this. We just did it, mainly because we liked hanging out together. We were all kind of the same peer group. We were the young married couples. Uh, we didn't have a young marriage class, so we just got together. Um, and, uh, and me and my buddy, Brian Aiken, and we would just say, Hey, who are we going to invite? And we'd invite people. Sometimes they were saved. Sometimes it was a new guy or gal at church. Sometimes it was a new couple at church. Sometimes it was somebody we were working with, somebody we knew from here or there. Cause when you're, you know, when you're young, you're circulating and you're getting around still and you know, everybody, you don't have all your groups set. And, um, and so we just brought them over and you know what we did? We'd have fun. We'd play a roar of the cow or whatever, and then which Amy hated. And then uh, <laughs> we were just anyway. That's a long story. But anyway, we'd do these stupid games, and um, and then we'd bust the word. And they'd be like, "Hey, Brian, you gonna do devotion this week? Yeah, okay." And then I, my buddy is named Brian, and he's like, "Hey, Brian, you gonna do it this week? Yeah." And you know what God did without us even knowing it? He started multiplying. People would get saved. We were. Uh, just the Howies came back, what, 
few months ago when we had a shindig. Doug wanted some, he wanted some of this. He wanted some of what we're talking about. He's like, hey, we're going to have a shindig at Dad's house down here in Lee Summit. The whole gang, the old gang's coming back. And so we went. Brought the kids, my kids came and they saw and they're like, like they had never seen this side of us or this world, you know. It's like, whoa, who are all these people? And, and you know, literally like, Mom, we didn't know you had friends like that. So anyway, um, so anyway, we're having we're having good old times. And so on the way home, Sam and I were talking, and we, I was like, uh, I was telling him, he's like, so you like you were my age, and you were hanging out with all these people, <clears throat> and I'm like, no, when I was your age, I was hanging out with Brian and his wife. Well, I was 19. We got married at 19, so um, I was hanging out with Mike Blake, Mike Blake, and and uh, and so so we so. Where were all these people come from? Oh, well, they got saved. I went through the list. Yeah, Kevin got saved. Brian, got, Brian Aiken led Kevin Howery to Christ, and then Richard Freeoff. He got saved after a volleyball one night at McDonald's. I remember that. And then, you know, we're just going down the list of all these people at this shindig and when they got saved. And, and Oh, yeah, and Ducker Perkins, he got saved, and then he kind of came in the group. And then and all these people just started getting saved. And, getting in, some, and I'm not saying every time we had a meeting someone got saved. But there was seeds being planted, and the gospel was going forth. And guess what? People were getting saved. Why? Well, because we just did that. I mean, I'm telling you, if you just love God and love people, <laughs> it'll happen. I mean, it's like it's just like fruit popping off the tree. It's amazing what God does. Um, and so uh, we should organize it, and we should make it structured and all of that. But at the end of the day, my a reason I share that is, I'm not. When you have kids, that gets interrupted, big time, and I get it, parents. So there's seasons of life. There's seasons of life. So I'm not saying you know if you're not doing that every day. When you get older, uh, things change, and this. But we should be intentional about what can we be intentional about? Continuing steadfastly in the doctrine that God has given us, fellowshipping and breaking of bread, and taking advantage of opportunities to invest our lives in other people. Don't lose that. Don't lose the vision for that. And so um, so continue to do that. And so as our nest empties, I look forward to doing more of that. But anyway, um, so that's important. All right, any questions on that? I'm going to move along. Point uh, four. There we go. Why is it important for me to be joined to a local New Testament church? Aha, now we're, we're getting somewhere. Because, you know, Brian, there, this is kind of, now I'm going a little bit against the grain of some of the contemporary, uh, even Baptists. So, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little time here on this question. Why is it important for me as an individual to be joined to a local New Testament church? And we'll dive into this. What does that really mean? Well, the local church, New Testament church is a, an important conduit of the believer's provision. Now, I mentioned earlier, or last week, a lifeline, right, in a, in a structure. Now I'm going to use another analogy. It's a, it's a conduit, right? A conduit is, I, I used the analogy last week, an umbilical cord. So an umbilical cord delivers, you know, blood and oxygen and all this other stuff, uh, nutrients. Well, the, the church is like a, it's a conduit for believer's provision. There are things that the church provides for all believers, uh, that if we don't have the church, we don't have them. And that goes for me, it goes for you. If you're, I have to have church just as much as anybody I'm inviting to church. 
right? So I'm like a, a spiritual drug addict, right? I got to have church and then I got to push church. I got to push it and then I got I to gotta have it myself, right? So I am addicted to the ministry of the saints because that's okay. That spirit's okay. As a matter of fact, there's everything awesome about that spirit. We should be addicted to the ministry of the saints because that's the way God in, intended it. It's a conduit. Uh, for our provision. So a local New Testament church is an important conduit to the believer's provisions. Bible-believing churches provide supernatural nutrition for the body of Christ. So the, the uh, you know, the Bible-believing church, and I do have to emphasize Bible-believing because not all churches believe the Bible. That's not going to be provision for you. You're not going to get what you need. But many children, uh, how many children do you know uh, that move out on their own and get an apartment right, the day they leave the hospital, right? I'm out, Dad, <laughs> right? That isn't going to happen. A, a, baby, a baby is not going to go out and on their own. As a matter of fact, you can get arrested if you drop that baby off somewhere and don't take care of it. I mean, that is, you are charged as a parent. You must take care of your child. If you're not going to take care of it, we will take it from you and make sure it is in a place of proper provision, right? Neglect is not part of the, uh, the deal. It's not like that in the church either. So the local New Testament church's first priority is to feed the flock. Now, specifically, it's my priority. Uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Someone want to read verses 1 and 2? 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. We'll be circling back around on this passage in a little bit. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but a ready mind. Amen. All right, so the clear admonition, uh, Peter's saying, hey, I'm an elder, and I'm talking to all the elders, feed the flock, right? The church, the, the main thing that our, our job, my job, the main thing the church should be doing is getting people fed. Not with physical food, though there's obviously times we feed people with physical food, but with spiritual food, right? Feed, when he says feed the flock of God, he's not talking about having a meal program. He's talking about that doctrine in Acts 2.42, right? The doctrine, the teaching of the Word of God. Feed the flock of God that's among you. Uh, and there's a little more to it than that, right? It's not just feeding. Uh, he says um, taking the oversight thereof. That's why we're called pastors, right? Uh, that's why the word bishop is interchangeable. It means to oversee. We're the overseers. We're to take the oversight. We're to be paying attention to what's going on and directing and leading and following Christ as, as, as uh, followers of him. You know, you follow us as we follow him. And so, so that is what we are to be about the business of doing is feeding the flock of God, taking the oversight thereof. And we have to do that with the right attitude, not because we have to, because we want to. Right? Not of constraint, but willingly. Right? So it's like having children, right? If you're going to have kids, you shouldn't have kids out of constraint. It should be willing. You should want to raise your family because you love them, not because you're getting paid to raise them. Right? Uh, you, should do, you should do that because it's, it's in your heart. Taking the oversight there, not because you have to, but willingly, and not for money's sake, right? Not for filthy lucre. Uh, so, man, uh, it's, it's for the, 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 the glory of God. So while it is expressly the pastor's job to feed the flock of God, the entire body clearly has a part in that, 
as we saw in Ephesians, it edifies. We build one another in love. And, and, the, and one of the things on the table in Acts 2.42 was doctrine and those discussions that were going on around the, the bread, the bread breaking going on. So as the human body has parts that work together to care for the entire body, so the members of the body mature and grow and take care of one another. Right, So uh, I do not take care of as many things as I used to when we first started the church. Like Wednesday nights, I was setting up all the tables. Uh, I couldn't cook it and set up the tables, so somebody else would do the, the cooking if we had dinner, and so on and so forth. So you know, I opened the building, I set up the tables, I tore down the tables, You know, everything kind of falls on you. We did the bulletins, I did the bulletin, Amy and I fought about the bulletin. You know, So we, uh, we did all those things. Uh, we used to have to go to Kinko's on Nolan Road. You remember that? And so, like, we're like, I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm like, no, we need to fix this. And she's like, Brian, we got to go to Kinko's, and it's an hour away. And so I remember those days. I was so glad when we got a copier and uh, because we had to print it in our house, run down to Kinko's, and uh, that was the old days. Technology wasn't as advanced as it is today. So um, anyway... 20 years ago. It's amazing what's changed in 20 years. You couldn't even get something reproduced in Harrisonville 20 years ago in the middle of the night on Saturday. So anyway, so moving on. That's another story. What did I get off on that tangent for? So um, there's just a lot that grows and changes. That was the point. Things change, don't they? Things grow and change. So 1 Corinthians 12, 14. I'm going to read this uh, because it's a big, long passage. For the body is not one member, but many. That's the main thing we got to know. There's many members in the body. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? Well, of course not. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it not therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath that set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. So he says this, in essence, which we can get this today. He's like, hey, don't have an identity crisis, right? You've you got to recognize who you are in the body. If you're an eye, be an eye. If you're a hand, be an eye, a hand. But also own the fact that you're part of the body of Christ. Which, you know, in a, lot of, in a lot of countries, it's not that big of a deal. In a lot of cultures, I should say, rather, not countries. In a lot of cultures, that's not too big of a deal. But in this culture, uh, we're pretty independent, pretty autonomous. So there has to be a little bit of discipling, a little bit of um, encouragement, right? And, and working together and finding your place in the body. Sharon, I don't know, in Guatemala, was it different culturally? Did people just kind of naturally... Gravitator, they keep that independent spirit with one another, more communal, naturally. Yeah. So in America, we're all independent, right? Uh, you, I, you know, it's, we're not, you know, I got, I got 12 rows of corn and you're going to get three of them, you know, because I just, because, you know, it's just, it's just a different culture. Give her the mic, please. I'm serious. Like when I came back from Guatemala, it really hit me how independent Americans or U.S. citizens are. Because, you know, down there we would share rides. We would share things. 
and we wouldn't go. If I was going to go one place and somebody else was going to go the same place, we'd say, okay, let's go together. But here, you go to the same place, but you don't ask, well, does anybody want to ride or can we go together because you're independent. You want to go when you want to. You want to go afterwards, wherever you want to go, and get home when you want to get home and not share. And that's what was really hard. And it's still hard for every once in a while. I think, oh, wow. And I know it's really hard for Aminta and Leonel because Honduras is the same mm -hmm. idea as in Guatemala. We share things and we, you know, Community is much richer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we have a very uh, – well, and that's and – that's, thank you. I appreciate that. Because – so when we talk about this from our perspective, like really what, what, what uh, Sharon's sharing here is a more of a biblical example. It's, it's more still ingrained in the culture. In America, we're further away from it. So when we talk about fellowship – and uh, it's not just, it's just not on the, it's not our natural response. We don't just, you know, automatically get there. It's like me, affection. Like I grew up, uh, my dad, I don't know how many times he told me he loved me, maybe once or twice, maybe. Uh, I knew he loved me, right? How many times did we hug? Mm, handful of times, maybe. Um, doesn't mean he didn't love me, right? So I come to the church before I, and that's, a lot of those hugs came after we got older and I was saved. So before I got saved, I think he hugged me once or twice that I can remember. Now, I do remember when I was a little boy, he used to snuggle me all the time, stuff like that. So he was affectionate. My dad was really affectionate. So anyway, I'm getting off track. But the point is this. When I got to the church, uh, you know, guys like Mark Lockwood, you know, they're like grabbing you and hugging you. And I'm like, whoa. I, I just freaked out. I'm like, whoa, what is this, man? Get off me. You know, I didn't do that. But inside I was like, I didn't know what to think. But you know what? It was really good because I'd never been around like like that kind of healthy male affection until I got in a church. It was a whole other culture than what I was used to. Because in the world I lived in, you didn't hug up on any men. I mean, you get a you get you know you might get a dot in the eye. So so you know it's just like whoa, it's a different culture. Well, some of that comes from Christ. I mean, not some all that comes from Christ. And so um, so when we talk about the the church and the body parts. Right, the way in in First Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, verses fourteen through twenty, you know, it really is an admonition to what Sharon's talking about, and away from the way we think in, as Americans, which is I got mine, I'm okay. We all, I, I'm with you guys. I love my autonomy. Like I just, I'm somebody was offering me a ride this coming week. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I got a car. I've got it. You know, well, and that's just the way we roll. You know, because why? Because of what she says. I want to go where I want to go, when I want to go, how I want to go, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. It, it, then it makes it really hard, I think, to be dependent on God. And he wants us to be dependent. He doesn't want us to be, oh, well, independent Sharon, what are you going to do? I want you to be mine and let me tell you what to do. And so it's really harder for people who grow up in the situations that I was describing that you're saying, you know, here in the States, to be dependent on God and let him do what he wants to do in us. Amen. Yeah, so thank you. That's a good word. So we, we got to work at this body business a little bit. That's one. Of, maybe that's why I'm doing a, set, a series on it, you know, because uh, we got to get our body life in order. And although also, if things do get in a situation 
where you need to be dependent, who do you want to depend upon? God and your brothers? Right? So I, in a practical sense, um, a few years ago, I could not afford my insurance premium. It just was getting up over my house payment, you know, and then the deductible was getting up so high. So I had an option. I had to, like, and this is our culture too. And it was the Bible that guided me. So there's this, and this, is, this has nothing to do, this is somewhat biblical, but this is a personal thing. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not advocating that for, for, a, for my Christian share ministry insurance thing uh, versus insurance, okay? But my whole life, pretty much, since I've been an adult, I've had insurance, health insurance. But things were getting so crazy, I literally couldn't afford, like, this health insurance. The church couldn't afford it either. It was getting out of hand because I'm, in, I'm independent, uh, you know, provider or whatever. And so they got these Christian share ministries. And I knew people that they'd been talking to me about them for years, like, oh, this is great, this is great. I'm like, oh. you know what is hard to do is trust. So I'm willing to trust a corporation, but I'm not willing to trust a bunch of Christians. I'm saying. Now, I did jump off, man. <laughs> Jumped off the cliff and went in, and I'm thankful. You know, I'm thankful I did. It's been no problem. I can't say enough about it. But, but I tell you, I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, it's amazing. When you have to depend on somebody, who do you really want to depend on? The government? I mean, God's like, hey, Brian, who do you want to depend upon? The government? And of course not. I want to depend upon the Lord and the people of God, right? So that's the, that's the road I took, and I'm, I'm thankful I did. But that's an analogy because of this. I'm saying if things got lean and mean like Thessalonica, then who do you want to depend upon? Well, you want to depend on the body of Christ, but the body of Christ has to be prepared, has to be conditioned to know. You won't even know who you are in the body if you're not exercised. Well, I'm an eye. No, I'm not an eye. I identify as a wrist. That's what he's saying for Corinthians chapter 12. Don't say you identify as a wrist if you're an eye. And if you're the hand, don't say you identify as the foot. How many of you know who you are in the body of Christ? He's really saying there's a, there's a curse to wanting to be something you're not and not being content with who you are. Let's talk about that for a little while. I'm talking about in the context of the body of Christ. I'm not talking about outside of that. I'm talking about just within the body of Christ. Now, if you're a young Christian, I'll give you grace for years because that's great. But at the end of the day, who should we want to all be like? Christ, that's the standard. We should all want to be like Christ. But how we function in the body, whether we're a wrist, whether we're a foot, whether we're an elbow, we should all still be like Christ in our character and be the best elbow, the best foot, the best whatever that God has called us to be and not trying to identify something that we're not. You understand what I'm saying? And be who God saved you to be so you can accomplish that which God has saved you to accomplish. So, so that's really what 1 Corinthians is about. He's like, man, we got some people with identity complexes here. And it's the mature Christians that should know who they are. Not a spiritual gift test. We don't do those around here. You know, why don't we do spiritual gift tests? Does anybody know? That was the rage 20 years ago. <clears throat> Amen, Ron. Ron remembers. I had a whole series that I, can, I will someday roll back out in our seven-year cycle and teach on. But that's right. 
Because amazingly, I'm like, wow, this is a lot like the Myers-Briggs test I took at work. We're not measuring spiritual giftedness. We're measuring natural giftedness. I got natural gifts, and the whole body, the body's welcome to them. You know, like people think, oh, you're your administrative gift. I, no, I, I administrate because I've been trained. I, I naturally are given to that. That's not a supernatural gift. You want to know a supernatural gift? Preaching. That's not because I'm a great preacher even. As a matter of fact, I'm terrible, especially if I'm not empowered by the Spirit. I have to depend on the Spirit to preach. I'm not the best natural preacher. I'm not a public speaker by nature. I don't get results because I'm the best or the most polished. I'm not saying I get results. I'm just saying. God showed me in the ministry by exercising, and I can tell the story, but I don't have time, through the body of Christ, submitting to leadership, literally being thrust in positions where I had to speak, and realizing once I got there, oh, I think this is probably what I should be doing. Look, this guy got saved. Amazing. I've been dying for someone to get saved around here. <laughs> so, you know, and then that's that's where, you know, I I started realizing I need to be in that. I need to be exercising that. And uh and so by faith. Doesn't mean you're the best at it naturally at all. It's not about what you're good at naturally. It's about what you're good at supernaturally. What does God bless when your hands on it in the ministry? And it doesn't have to be preaching. It doesn't have to be teaching. There's a lot of things that, you know, you could be doing. And, man, you're just doing that thing and loving God, loving people, doing what you do for God's glory. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's it's taking out the trash. It's mowing the lawn. It doesn't matter what. The what doesn't matter. But when you're doing that thing, God blesses that. It is the spirit of the living God working through you to benefit the body. It's not about what you get. It's about what everybody else gets. And then, boom. You know you're, you're where you need to be. That's spiritual gifting. And when everybody says, oh, yeah, man, Walt Cundiff, he is such an encourager. Everybody knows Walt's gone home to be at the Lord. Everyone knew Walt's spiritual gift. It was obvious to all of us. I'm like, Walt, you need to be a deacon. No, I don't want to be a deacon. I'm sorry, but all you do is deke all day long. I mean, you're a deaker. He wouldn't take the office, but you know what? We all knew he was a deaker. He's a deacon. He had the character, he had the personality, and he had everything. It was supernatural. And it was the opposite of who he was in the flesh, by the way. You know, that's funny. There's people that, it's so funny. There's people in the ministry I know that say, oh, Brian, you're such a nice guy. And I, all I can say is praise the Lord, because it ain't me. <laughs> it's Jesus. I'm only nice because Jesus lives in me. I'm the opposite of who I would be without Christ. I'm a pretty nasty person without Jesus. But Jesus makes you the opposite of who you were. Praise God. So I love that about God. And then he'll put you where he needs you to be. Let him ha- submit to him. Let him have you. And uh, and we need to make sure that passage that we read in 1 Corinthians um, teaches us that there's diversity of membership. And in that diversity of membership, it's a good thing that everyone is not the same. When I was a baby Christian, I remember how stupid I was because I, you know, I would let personalities rub me the wrong way. And you, you know what God does with that? He forces you to be with people that you didn't like. I don't mean once. I mean over and over and over until I learn the lesson. And I dare not say who those people are, because some of them are still my best friends of this day. So, so God really schooled me on that. Brian, who do you think you are, man? This is my body. I put the pieces in. I'll give you one story. 
one story. So, again, you can't make this stuff up. God is so good. So there's this guy. He, uh, he used to be a, he's one of those guys. You know, he used to be a drug user, um, kind of a guy. A little older than me. Comes in the church, head's always swiveling, wagging, talking loud, man. Just, just you know, got a little bit of swagger. Bro, what's going on, man? And just his personality was, I was just like, yeah, you stay over there, man. I'm, I'm, I'll just do this. Full of bull is in my brain, you know, category, full of bull. And so I'm just like, whatever. And I'm not, this isn't me being a good Christian. This is me being a judgmental, carnal Christian. And so, uh, and this brother, he's, you know, this is, this is, and I never really got close to him. Because why? I didn't want to. I'm like, that elbow can stay over there, and this elbow will stay over here, and never the two shall meet, you know? <laughs> so, so you would know, we're, we're training to go to, to Romania and uh, to take discipleship, and I don't have the money to go. And so Amy and I are training uh, at the church with the people, and we're going to take some other trips domestically. Um, and so uh, they put me in this group, and this other guy, they put him in the group with us, and I'm like, oh. Well, he can't go either. He don't have the money. And they put us in this group. And, and one of the things you do, right, we're lesson one, salvation. Now, this isn't, this isn't teaching discipleship one. This is like taking discipleship one to a church and teaching the people in the church how to teach discipleship one. So it's a how to disciple class. And we're being trained on how to disciple. Um, and so, okay, lesson one through four. Let's talk about our testimonies tonight. Get together with these folks. And uh, share your testimony. Okay, I'm ready to hear this cat's testimony. Um, so he sits down with me and says, Bro, it is so cool that you and I are together. He goes, Did you know that you're, you know, you're, dis- you're like my grandfather in the Lord because the guy you discipled discipled me. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know, not know this. <laughs> I felt about this stinking small. And you know what? I fell in love with that guy. I don't want to say his name. You might be watching. And, you know, and at the end of our weeks of training, that brother says, uh, and I got to, I mean, I, when we came down here, he started a prayer team. We had one with our, our home team, and then he started another prayer team for, our, for this church plant. I mean, what was I thinking? I wasn't. And if this only happened once, it'd be one thing. This happened to me like three times I can think of. Where not just like I, I got along with them, but I ended up becoming like some of my best friends. You think I was a little judgy? Yeah. A little full of myself? I think so. So this brother ends up, he's the one who invited me to come to City Union Mission. Because we couldn't afford to take a trip, and we were both we covenant we got together and we made a covenant. We're like, Lord, whenever, wherever, however, we will go preach at the parking lot on a on a at a grocery store on top of a soapbox if we need to, but we will preach the gospel wherever, whenever, however. This dude's an evangelist, by the way, and of course he was cultured in in the culture. So we went. I remember my first trip to City Mission. I went with him, like he's out there on the street talking to these guys. I'm like, 
Mr. Suburban Boy. I'm like, where am I at? Where am I at? I went to overload, you know. My senses. But he's the one that introduced me to it. I never left until I came here. I'm just saying. Those are, I can't make that stuff up. I wish I could tell you how awesome I am, but instead I'll tell you how bad I am, right? In my flesh. Body parts. Body parts. The, every body part's important. Even the ones you think aren't important. Or the things you, the parts of the body that you don't want to touch. <laughs> Some of you can touch elbows. I can't. I can't do a lot of things. I can't. I can't do this either. Amy can do that. <laughs> Too stiff. So God places his spirit in us and joins us to his body so we can share the grace of God with others in the body. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, there's a lot of grace to be had. Manifold, right? Manifold grace of God, many folds. So the born-again believers who, who don't fellowship in the local church will be missing out on supernatural provision God has intended for them. So I'm talking about fellowship. I'm not talking about attendance. Attendance is where it starts, right? But when you open up your life to other people, man, that's sweet. It's a family. And there are people that have been hurt, and I get all that. I get local church stuff. But at the end of the day, we're a family. Has your family never hurt you? You've never been offended? Well, come visit my family. I mean, not you. I'm talking extended family. No, my wife married some of my aunts and great aunts. Holy moly. Different, no filters. Say it like it is, whether you like it or not. You know, we still love them. Still send them a Christmas card. Right? Still love them. Why? Because they're family. Wouldn't trade them in. Born again believers who don't fellowship, though, they're going to have problems getting the provision they need. And they're going to need that provision when they're in the world. The fullness of our fellowship with God will be found when we fellowship with one another. I'm going to read this last verse. Uh, 1 John 1, 3 says, that, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. There is a sweetness to fellowship. Man, I tell you guys, uh, I love fellowshipping with the body of Christ. I like Wednesday nights. I like Sunday mornings. I like Sunday nights. Some people would say Sunday's the best. Yeah, Sunday, we got a lot of Sunday night fans. It is sweet to, to pray, to get in the Word of God, uh, and it's just good to be together. The church at Berea was commended in Acts 17.11 because they, they searched the Scriptures daily to see what Paul and Silas had taught to see if it was accurate. The Bereans were certainly Bible believers because they esteemed the words of God as they are in truth, the very words of God. Now, all of this fellowship that I'm talking about is not just hugs. It's the, the book. It's the words of God. It is knowing that God has a plan for us. God is taking us somewhere. What binds us together, it's the word of God. It's the mission of God. What brought me and that brother I was talking about together. <clears throat> Actually, what it was the mission. We both came together searching for God's mission, and then God brought us together. And literally, someone that I discipled discipled him, and this guy that I discipled that discipled him, this guy that I had 
some influence in that I didn't even know about sets my life on a course I could have never even known, which is investing a decade of my life at City Union Mission. I mean, that's supernatural stuff. And God does that stuff. It's amazing. Totally took me out of my comfort zone. Totally put me in an environment of which I had to be a missionary. Within that season of my life, I was in at least two environments. The first environment was church. I got saved, so I, had to, I learned that culture. Then I, got, then I went in the business world, and sometimes simultaneously in the same day, I'm in the street world in Kansas City. What was God doing in my life? Teaching me, teaching me to transition from environment to environment because he knew I was going to be in the ministry someday. But the point is simply this. That wouldn't have happened if I wasn't having fellowship around the mission of God, what the church was doing around the mission of God. So you come to a Bible conference, you think you're just putting Bibles together? You have no idea what God's doing with those relationships. You come out here for a men's breakfast, you think, oh, I'm just going to go to the men's breakfast. You have no idea what God's going to do. You go out to take them to the streets and walk down the neighborhood, you know, have no idea how that is going to change someone's life. I mean, Don Van and... Uh, and uh, Don and, hang on, what? Diana, yeah, Don and Diana, Van, they're joining this Sunday. You know why? Because Chris went to a garage sale, for goodness sake, and got fired up about it, whatever Chris told them. He must have said free donuts and coffee. I don't know. And uh, next thing you know, Don Van's here. I mean, and, and they're joining this Sunday just because of a conversation. We were talking about someone else. Who else was that? We were talking about the garage sale ministry the other day. Oh, Travis and Nicole. Yeah, Chris and the Janessa garage sale. We're like, everybody just got to have garage sales. That's the only, that's the evangelistic way. But you know what that is? That's putting the body in contact with people. And you know what? God ministers through the body and it changes the course of people's lives. I'm not talking about having some fancy program. I'm talking about just knowing that you are part of the body and knowing that God uses you, no matter what your station in the body, no matter if you're elbow, a knuckle, a finger, a heel, it doesn't matter. God will use you if you just are on your A game and you're following the mission of God. You know that, you know what, God's put me on the planet for a reason. He's put me in this church for a reason. And he's put me in this particular job, school, neighborhood, whatever, grocery store for a reason. I tell you what, the closer people get to circulating with the body of Christ, the more life's going to come. The more life's going to come to them because it's going to come through you to them with the Spirit of God. And that's why we got to go back to the previous point. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. The Spirit of the living God will not be in them unless they hear, believe, and receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. they got to hear the gospel. They'll never be a disciple of Christ if they're not a child of God. So they got to be saved. And then they got to be discipled and get all the provision that God has for them through the local New Testament church. So next time we get together, we'll talk about uh, what is the role of the pastor in the local New Testament church. But that'll we'll park the car there tonight. Any questions, comments? Sharon, thank you for what you shared. Another, com- I'm going to give another comment about fellowship because when Mom and I were discipled, Ann Wilson did it with us. And she would come and we would eat lunch. And it was once a week until we finished. But anyway, it was just really the best time with Ann Wilson and my mom and myself. All together. And we would share a lot of things besides doing the discipleship lesson. But it was just really, God really put it together for us. That is so good. And uh, I... 
It's like the, the Arnie's and the uh, who who uh, Kenley Jones. They they do that with the uh, uh, their disciples, the Bruners, and uh, they still do it. Discipleship's over. They're still having over for dinner every. I think I don't know if they're doing it every week, but quite often. So, man, that those kind of relationships, beloved, they're just sweet. So praise God. All right. So it's a conduit, doctrine, and all kinds of other nutrients come through the body of Christ. And so George Barner was wrong. Uh, you can't have church on the golf course. It just doesn't work that way. We're the called out local New Testament church. We'll talk about the role of the ordinances and all of that next time. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to visit and to uh, just...